And it's important for us as we come to a night where we're baptizing individuals that we, we better understand what baptism is not and we need to understand what baptism is. We need to understand before they are baptized, what are they doing? What does baptism picture? What does it say? And that's what we want to talk about tonight. And we first want to look at what baptism is not. What baptism is not. So we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul tells us, he takes a, a portion of the beginning of his letter because of the situation, and in it, Paul helps us understand what baptism is not. Verse 13 through 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, and he's writing to disciples, to people who are followers of Jesus living in the city of Corinth, and he says this, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ, and here's the kicker verse right here, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. In verse 17, Paul makes a distinction. He tells us that baptism is not the gospel. Baptism is not the gospel. Baptism is not what forgives you of your sins. And that's what Paul is communicating here. He's downplaying the fact that he, of baptism in the sense of him baptizing people. He states, listen, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel because it's the gospel that saves. It's Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that sets you free from sin. And there was a point recently when David and Maria placed their faith in the gospel. They placed their faith in Jesus, his death, his burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of their sins. That's what's forgiven them. That's what's made them right with God, not this tonight. And Paul makes that distinction. He says, baptism is not the gospel. It's not what saves. If baptism saves, then let's just line everybody up and we'll dunk you. And you're right with God. If baptism saves people, then Paul would have you know, hired out the local pool, got everybody in a line, and just walked them through, dunked them, and you're good to go. You're right with God. But baptism doesn't save. doesn't forgive. It's the cross of Christ that saves. That's what Paul's stating here. He's, he makes this, this bold distinction. And so if you grew up in a religion or in a tradition that teaches that somehow your baptism sets you free from sin and makes you right with God, that's wrong. That, does not, that has not saved you. That's not what the Scriptures teach. It's faith in Jesus Christ alone that saves you. And that's the distinction Paul's making. He's saying, Christ didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel. He's not saying that baptism is wrong. You, you should be baptized, but it's not what saves you or sets you free and makes you right with God. So baptism is not the gospel. So what is the gospel that saves? Later in his letter, Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he tells us what the gospel is, and that's what we've been talking about in the Juice series. We've been asking the question, does the world need the church? Answer, yes, the world needs the church. Why? 
because the church has what the world needs. That's why the world needs the church. Well, what do we as the church have that the world needs? We have the gospel. This is what changes people's lives. That's what we have. And that, the gospel, is what has transformed David's life and transformed Maria's life. So what is this gospel that has set them free from sin and made them right with God? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of what? Of the gospel. Here it is. I preached to you. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, what? You are saved. You are set free. By this gospel, you're forgiven of your sin and made right with God. Okay, well, what is it? He says in verse 3, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. And here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. What is Paul saying here? He's making the distinction at the beginning of the, of the book in his letter, 1 Corinthians 1, baptism is not the gospel. Baptism doesn't save you. Does it set you free from sin? What does? Jesus saves you. Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus' burial, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. That's what saves you, placing faith in him and him alone. That's the gospel. Because see, in the beginning, God made it all great. It was beautiful. It was perfect. Right? That's creation. We had perfect relationship with God. And then God gives us the opportunity to respond to him, and we say, no, separation. We're separated from God because of our own sin. We said no to God, no to that beauty, no to following him, and we're separated from God. Where's the hope? Now we need a redeemer. Now we need someone to rescue us. In comes the incarnation. You have creation, separation, incarnation. God himself comes to us as the person of his son, takes on the nature of a servant in mankind. Incarnation. Because he loves us. Then you have crucifixion. Jesus himself, the perfect sacrifice, takes upon himself the sins of us. Takes upon himself the payment for our sin. Becomes that payment through his death on the cross. He satisfies the justice of God for us on our behalf because of his love to us. Creation, separation, incarnation, crucifixion. Is he, does he stay dead? Has the payment been received? Is it accepted? Resurrection. He's alive. He's alive. And then those who place their faith in Christ, his crucifixion and resurrection, there's redemption. There's restoration. That once perfect relationship that was there, but we broke, is restored when we place our faith in Jesus. There's restoration. And then There's going to be a day when we're going to see Christ in the exaltation, where he is right now, reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. And for all those who have placed their faith in Christ, there will be a day when they will get to see Jesus face to face, the one who saved them, the one who's rescued us. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Creation, separation, incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, faith, restoration, exaltation, and then adoration. We, as the body of Christ, get to simply praise the one who saved us. That's the gospel. And there was a point in the past several months when Maria and David placed their faith, given to them by God himself, in that truth. 
That's what transforms lives. That's the juice we've been talking about. That is what our world needs. Baptism isn't that, but baptism pictures that. Baptism is not the gospel. Baptism is not for just anyone. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, they talked about it on that video. It says what? Go make disciples of all nations, right? What's the next phrase? Baptizing them. Who, who's the them in Matthew 20? The disciples, those who have become disciples. Baptism isn't just for anyone. Baptism is only for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, It's for new disciples. Go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2, because I want us to see this progression of belief, then baptism. It was practiced by the early church in the first century, and that's why we practice it here 2,000 2000 years later. Acts, chapter 2, verses 36. Peter preaches this amazing message, telling them that the gospel is about Jesus Christ, and they've been trusting all their lives and their good works and following the law. And then Jesus came along, and and he's like, you need to put your faith in Jesus. Jesus sets you free from trying to earn your way to heaven. He did it for you. And I love what this says here. He says, verse 36 of Acts 2, he says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, What's their response after hearing this transforming gospel? They say, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter's reply, repent. Here's a progression. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Look at verse 41. Those then who accepted his message, there's an, an, what he's saying is those who had already received Christ, they've already accepted the message, then were baptized. So there's belief first, then baptism. So baptism is not just for anyone. It's only for those who have repented, who have turned from the life of self, who have understood that I am a sinner separate from God. They turn from that and they look to Christ, and through Christ they become saved. Baptism is for those who have trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And so David and Maria are able to be baptized tonight because they first repented of their sins, becoming one Um, becoming unified with God, with Christ, in his death and resurrection, as we'll see in a moment. So what is baptism? Baptism, we understand, is not the gospel. It's not for just anyone. Well, what is it? If we stay here in Acts chapter 2, we understand that baptism is the first response for those who've received new life in Christ. It's the first response. In the first century, baptism was so closely associated with belief, meaning I've given my life to Christ. I understand Jesus has set me free from sin. Be baptized. I mean, it was just, there was no like three months, six months deal. It was just, Jesus changed you. Let's go. Let's go. It's time to declare. It's time to make known what Jesus has done for you. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter even orders them to baptize them. It's the first, baptism is the first response of those who've received new life in Christ. And you see it here, they accepted the message and were baptized. In Acts chapter 8, verses 12 through 13, Acts 8, 12, through 12 and 13, it says this, when Peter, but when they believed, or Philip, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. 
Okay, so when they believed, after hearing and preached the good news, they were baptized. So there's belief, then baptism. The first response is baptism. doesn't save you, but it expresses that you've already been saved and set free from your sin. So baptism is the first response. Acts chapter 10, verses 45 and 47. I just referenced it earlier. Start with verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, referencing the Gentiles, and the circumcised believers, referencing the Jews who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? Answer, they've already received the Holy Spirit just as we have. He's saying these people have already put their faith in Christ and the seal of that faith is the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of Christ himself. And the first response is, be baptized. Obey Jesus. Show people around you what Jesus Christ has done for you through your baptism. So baptism is the response of those who receive new life in Christ. Baptism is immersion. Whenever you read the word baptize in the New Testament, it always refers to immersion. In fact, the word baptize literally means to immerse. It means to dip. It means to submerge. Um, the Greeks would use the word baptize to describe sunken ships. If a ship is sunken, is that, good, is that a good phrase? If a, if a ship has sunk, okay, it's fully submerged under the water, right? It's there. It's at the bottom. It's fully covered. And the word literally means to be wholly covered, completely covered with fluid. And the Greeks would also use the word baptized to, to dye a shirt, a, a particular color, right? If you're going to dye a, a shirt blue or whatever color, you put the, the ink or the dye, right, in a big pot or something like that, and you take the shirt, right? And you're going to take the shirt, and you're not just going to, if you're going to dye the garment, you're going to I mean, you're going to submerge. And they're only going down once. Don't, don't want to scare you guys. I'm not, we're not going to go like this tonight, okay? But, but you would submerge it, right? And you'd let it sit there. We're not keeping you underwater either, okay? <laughs> we're going to bring you right back up, so no worries. But that's the, the whole point is it's immersion. They're going under and coming out. And that's what baptism is. So baptism is the first response of those having received new life in Christ. Baptism is immersion. Okay, it's immersion. And then baptism is a declaration. Baptism is a declaration of what has already taken place inside. Baptism is an outward expression of what's already taken place inwardly. That's what baptism is. It declares to those around us what Christ has already done. Go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6. Paul uses the picture here of baptism to describe what takes place spiritually inside a person when they give their lives to Jesus Christ, when they put their faith in Christ alone. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, let me tell you this in Scripture, prepositions in Scripture are incredibly powerful. I'm just telling you that. So when you're studying Scripture, don't just gloss over the prepositions because the prepositions are powerful. They're going to teach us something tonight about our union with Christ. 
So take a look at this. Verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 5. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. What a glorious truth for those of us that are, that are in Christ tonight. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Verse 9, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Baptism, what Paul is doing is he's using the picture of baptism to publicly show what has taken place for those of us that put our faith in Christ. He says this, Baptism declares a person's already union with Christ. You see the word with, right, throughout Paul's comments here in Romans 6. With speaks of connectedness. It speaks of union. And Paul says here, we were therefore buried with Christ through baptism into death. So when Christ died, okay, when, when Christ died, when you place your faith in Christ, God sees you having died to sin. With Christ. And when Christ is raised, God sees you having been raised with Christ in his resurrection. That's what he's talking about. That's what he says. There's a union there. And it has to be Jesus because Jesus is the only one that's perfect that could completely satisfy the payment for our sin and free us from our sin and free us from the wrath of God in hell. Only Jesus can do that because Jesus is God. He's perfect. And when we place our faith in Christ... God says, when you place your faith in Christ, I see you having been buried with Christ to sin, dead to sin in Christ, through, through Christ. And then I see you having been raised with Christ into newness of life. And if you're here tonight and you've given your life to Christ, that is an incredible truth. Incredible truth. If you're here without Christ, that can be an incredible truth for you. It can be. You see, tonight you are either dead to sin and alive to God. Look at verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. How? Through you? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So you walked in here tonight, and you are either dead to sin and alive to God, or dead to God and alive to sin. Because Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, Without Christ, you are dead in your trespasses and sin. You are an enemy of God. Without Christ, before Christ in my life, I was an enemy of God, under the just wrath of God, bound to hell. Why? Because I chose self other than God. I chose separation. But that, that doesn't have to be your story. That's why God came, so you could be dead to sin and alive to God. And baptism pictures that union. Baptism declares, listen, when Christ died, I died. When Christ came back to life, I came back to life as a new person. Baptism declares a person's already union with Christ. Baptism also declares a person's already identity 
in Christ. Now check this out. Okay, he talks about this. You've been baptized into Christ Jesus, verse 3. Look at verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Those prepositions are so powerful. And so baptism declares your union with Christ as God sees you. It also declares your identity in Christ. Remember the word baptism, what's it mean? Immersed. When you place your faith in Christ, you get submerged into the big baptistry of Jesus. I mean, you're just, you're there. I mean, you're no longer you anymore. You got, you're submerged in Jesus. Your identity is not found anymore in what you do for a living, how much money you make, if you're unemployed, employed, where you go to school, what you, you know, how many kids you have, if you don't have kids, where you go to school. Your identity isn't found. You don't have to search for that anymore because Jesus becomes your identity because you've been placed in Jesus. And what's going to happen is you're, they're going to picture, for those of us that put our faith in Christ, they are going to picture what has taken place for us, united with Christ in his death and his resurrection, submerged into Christ. And when we come out having placed our faith in Christ, we live a new life dripping with Jesus because of what Christ has done. And baptism is a beautiful picture of what has already happened. It pictures your union with Christ. It pictures a person's new identity in Christ. And so if you're here tonight and you said, I still struggle with my identity as a believer, let me tell you, stop struggling. Your identity is in Jesus tonight. Get to know this Jesus. And if you're here tonight and you say, I've never turned from my sin. I struggle with trying to figure out if I'm really saved or not. I try to figure out what. If you're here and you walked in tonight dead to God and alive to sin, put your faith in Jesus. And when you do, you're buried with Christ, alive with Christ, in Christ. One more preposition. Two. Baptism declares your union with Christ. It declares your identity in Christ. And it declares your new allegiance to Christ, your new allegiance to Christ. Look at verses 11 and four through 14. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. How? In Christ. That's the only way you can be set free from sin is in Christ. Therefore, because you are now dead to sin because of Christ, what he's done for you, and alive to God, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God, a new allegiance, as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but what? Under grace. You got a new allegiance. You've got a new master. You've got a new authority. The one who came to rescue you is the one that you now live for. What amazing love that God himself would come after we said no to him, would come to us, take upon himself our sin and our payment for our sin. How then can we not, when we place our faith in him, live for him? And baptism Baptism is a public declaration that you have a new allegiance and how you've been buried with Christ, raised with Christ, submerged in Christ. And when you come out, you're walking to Christ because you're with Christ and in Christ because of Christ. That's why we are all about knowing Christ, living Christ, and making Christ known because it's all about Jesus. And that is the juice of the gospel. And that is what our world needs. And that is what baptism declares. And so let me ask you the question. If you came in here tonight and you're like, 
I realize I'm a sinner. I realize that I'm dead to God. And I'm alive to sin, but I want to be alive to God and dead to sin. Place your faith in Jesus tonight. Right there in your seat. Call out to Jesus. For the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You could do it right now with through your heart. Just call out to Jesus. Say, Jesus, rescue me from my sin. And he promises when you call, he will answer and come in and change your life. Just as he, just as he did with David and Maria. Repent, turn from sin and to Jesus. If you're here tonight, separate from Christ. If you're here tonight with Christ and you've never been baptized, I'm going to ask you the same question Peter asked these, the, 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 um, the Gentiles. What keeps, you, what keeps you from being baptized? What hinders you from being baptized? If you're here with Christ and you've never been baptized, listen, we're ready to go. I don't, if you didn't bring, change your clothes and you're cool with walking out wet and you want to be baptized tonight, we're, that's, that can happen tonight. Okay? When it happened in the first century, I'm, I'm cool with being like a first century church. I am. But if you're here tonight without Christ, understand what Christ has done for you and understand you can be with Christ, in Christ, live into Christ tonight because of Christ and what he's done for you. And for those of us that are with Christ, in Christ, live into Christ, celebrate. Celebrate this Jesus that loves you so much.